Welcome guys to my very first episode of Free Flow A podcast where I just have conversations with people about anything Because everyone has their own story to tell And everyone has their own thoughts they can share And we can learn from that Our very first guest is Alicia Alicia Dudek Um, I am really grateful to have her push and motivate me to record my very first podcast And we're doing it by the river Because at that point of time, I didn't have any studio I didn't know anything about doing podcasts in quiet place So this podcast might be a little bit noisy in the background Hope you guys enjoy it anyway Um, yeah, so what was it we're talking about? Scarcity. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the exact words you said? I was trying to remember. Abundance leadership. Abundance leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think some people are just quite afraid of sharing because they feel like might it's a threat to them if they teach other people and people taking the knowledge to do something mm. <clears throat> with that it's a competition yeah um, yeah which is mm. oh just saying um you bring to mind how in most cultures ancient human cultures right tribal village everything even now we have kind of semi defined stages of life mm-hmm. where when you're young you're a burden on society people need to help you feed you then you get get you're in your adolescence and you're full of strength but you need your mind shaped and you need to be collaborating with the society around you and then you progress into adulthood and you're now nesting and getting ready to have children and you're creating safe places and and you know being a really productive member of society and you might be taking care of old people as well and then you move into the mid to later part of adulthood and you start to go from learning and nesting to teaching and old age was always known in most cultures as the elders and the wise ones and it was a defined position, acknowledged and received by people that as you hit that level of mastery and knowledge, you have a right as an elder to pass that knowledge on. You have a right to test people's fitness to receive that knowledge and to keep it true and valid. Because you can imagine, you know, if someone learns something the wrong way, is it the teacher's responsibility that they taught it? Or they let someone go off without having taught it the right way? Hmm. But what you're talking about with things like, you know, community events, acro movement, physical things, people in their early phases start to learn things quite quickly. And your ability and your knowledge of something physically may surpass your mental ability to know the value of that knowledge or to teach it. And so for me what you're saying is about the juxtaposition of 
I've spent 10,000 hours on this. I learned it really fast and I love it. Um, but the ego is still involved. You're still feeling precious for having spent your time learning that thing. So when someone new comes to it and you, you feel like you don't want to quite give it away yet. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's as most things an ego battle, much like our friends the seagulls you can hear, having a bit of a battle for seaweed. <laughs> well, I think it's it's quite interesting as well because um, there's always this concept of sharing <coughs> that making things better if you're sharing the more people that knows about a certain subject the better the subject becomes mm. right there's more insights to how people learn and I've just come across a friend who is really annoyed at another studio for putting an ad that says professional something. They're teaching something professional, but then they're not really that professional. Mm. From their viewpoint, because they've been doing it for a while, these bunch are not being as professional as they are. Mm. My take on it would be, oh, maybe there are professionals in this field doing this thing. So that's why they call it professional this thing. Oh, my take on it is marketing and competition is inherent in the way our commercial world's set up. Yep. So even if you're doing the same thing that you did three years ago, you might give it a new name this year because you need new attention, you need new customers. You might want a different kind of customer. Mm. Maybe they put professional in the title just because they don't want to teach beginners anymore. You know, maybe they'd shifted in their practice of teaching and they were ready to get people more committed. Something I heard quite a few times in acro communities is like, teachers are really happy to teach, you know, beginnings for so long, but if some people really want to get to professional acrobatics, teachers want a particular kind of student to work with. You get to a point where the teacher and the student wants to go higher, mm. or higher in skill or, or whatever. and. And that's actually, that's okay, because that's still what I call abundance leadership, because it's still, there's enough for everyone, there can be more, we can see it at scale. Um, I think it's, as long as everyone's being authentic about what they need and what they're trying to achieve, right. then we're all in alignment. The, the friction for me comes that when I feel or sense a loss of integrity, saying one thing, doing another. In your example, right? Let's say they put professional on their poster, but they don't prepare their lessons, they don't write them out, you call them, they don't follow up. Yeah. You know, there's a hundred indicators that they're not really being integrityful mm. around being professional. That's another story. I can I can sense that irritation. Mm. But the intent Yes, definitely professional and I agree with that. I think I think the professional fitness people um, advertising for a fitness thing and you know what I've never been through professional training when I'm teaching when I was teaching and I think I do a better job than a lot of the professional people because of just the effort that I've put in and you know a lot of people they don't have to have 
professional training to be able to do certain things. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't want to go for a teacher training at first. But I chose to go because I wanted to learn more about certain things. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, how can you know if you don't try, right? And that's the thing about it as well. I think we're having a conversation now about quality. Hmm. Because this actually applies to much larger things. Quality can be a very, very valid pursuit. And if you don't keep it in check, it tips over into perfectionism. And that can be very damaging as well because it can be a bit unforgiving and a bit painful. So it's how do you maintain the flow as well as the force and the desire for quality. And flow and force both pursue quality in their own way. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. I think also one to add to what you were saying is when it's a passion and when you're paid for it, it can really tip things over sometimes. Hmm. Also. Well, like, take a, take a practice like teaching right. acro. Let's say you do the teacher training, you love it, you're doing it for fun, but you also have a day job that you are also cool at, right? You do something else, you're a scientist. So then it's cool to have this hobby where you're almost as good as an acro teacher, but you don't do it professionally, so if you don't do it perfectly, it's no big deal, right? right? You can continually forgive yourself for not having tried to make it. But the moment you leap, the moment you choose that I'm going to become X and it will be my primary time commitment and investment, you put a new level of measurement on yourself quite often. Mm. So it's always coming back to managing expectations and quality. What am I expecting of myself when I'm a student, when I'm a teacher? Like me, I love acro, but I know I'm never going to be like the people that get right into it on our training constantly and mm. you know I have a long way to go to even like a lot of high stuff for example standing acrobatics and things um, maybe it's not my jam um, so we're coming back to the main point which is uniquely being yourself no one's actually unique but everyone's very unique at being themselves and it's the same with teaching and training and being a student because you as a teacher are in what I what is called a liminal role. So I'm a I'm a big teacher, trainer, philosophizer, subscriber <laughs> of liminal thinking, mm. which is the kind of thinking of the in between. Mm. And in liminal, it means the doorway, the gateway, the in between space. And the role of a teacher and a coach is always in the liminal space. You're part of the class, but you're not part of the class. Yep. You're in the room, but you're also facilitating the room. You are with the student, learning about the student, but you are also teaching the student. And that's why teaching can be tiring. You're in both places. I feel like that's... I agree with that a lot. In, in my time as teaching, I think I've evolved a lot from just teaching role, teaching people how to root learn, just remembering stuff and just doing stuff, to more of a facilitation role whereby I show them certain things and I get them to experiment with it <coughs> and interact with each other. Just try it themselves. If they meet a problem, they come back to you and you can show them what they've done right and what they've done wrong. 
you can kind of guide them that way. Whereas in route learning, you don't you don't really know what the student likes. It's just regurgitation of material. And are they engaged? Maybe some people like that. You know? But then are they actually understanding what they're trying to teach them? What the content is? <clears throat> First of all, if you're learning something new, there's always... It's good to have technique. It's good to teach technique. It's good to teach subject. And it's good to follow what they've been taught and then slowly take that knowledge and play around with it. Um, but I find having, having to teach and facilitate people to, to try new stuff from the beginning, from the get-go, it, it gives them a base of, alright, this is how I can approach learning and I'm not being punished for doing something wrong. It's always a learning process if I get something wrong. It's a positive experience because I know that this is, this is not the way to do it. Mm. And they know how to correct it. Mm. I, I'm very much aligned with you. And I think, you know, we have a lot of our educational system in traditional schools or traditional family structures that that very much puts into me an mm. idea that learning needs to be painful. Growth, you know, push hard to grow, and there's very much a very um, occasionally militant, no pain, no gain mm. kind of aspect to training and to teaching. And the world needs much kinder growth and teaching because in a lifetime now, we have to learn so much, so quickly to grow up. And we put pressures on ourselves with every hobby we touch in some way. Um, so the kindness is actually an innovation in education nowadays. Mm. And I feel like it's the same thing when someone is training or paying you for their services. They're learning. Different people learn different, in different methods. Say, for example, if I'm doing someone's classes, I generally look out for how they teach, how they structure their classes, and what they do. So, it, it doesn't matter if they're stealing the ideas, but by allowing me to attend their classes, I am kind of learning stuff that is out of their control. If they want to teach A, I might learn B or C, I'll learn something different. Mm. And it comes back to some of what you said is, I will teach technique as much as I can or method or process because there's learning in that. Yep. More importantly, I teach the why behind it. Mm. So even when I facilitate a workshop with a whole bunch of business people in it, at the end of it, or even throughout it, I'll be like, so we're going to do this exercise. We'll do the exercise. And at the end of it, like, and the reason we did that is because neuroscience helps us understand the brain works in X, Y, Z manner. And this exercise was designed to activate X. Mm. Then hopefully they remember it and they get curious enough to keep learning and illuminate. Yep. It's, I think though, 
we do need to give credence to when you're learning at the beginning, the rate at which you learn and the speed can get you so excited right. that later on when it takes a hundred, a thousand of something to master something, mm. we do have a false high early on in the learning process. Especially with things like acro. You go to one jam, you meet one amazing bass, you fly and you think you're killing it. Oh my god, I can do everything. It's just like Cirque du Soleil. I never thought I'd do this. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> and then you jump on your friend who's a brand new bass and you're all shaking like chickens who just hatched and your legs don't know how to work yet. I think it's, yeah, and it, it gives a little, it gives a false sense of greatness, I guess. Because then these, some of these people will be like, Oh, you're doing it wrong. I can do this on someone else. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the basic tenet of gamification. You know the phone apps, the phone games that people play, the mobile games. Mm. I mean, I've been studying gamification for maybe 12 years. Gamification is probably... In the market, it's probably 20 or 30 years old technically, but the game, the name didn't get trendy till later, till we had digital devices. But all gamification is, it's using our own cognitive biases in order to get us hooked on whatever thing we want to do. So it started out, I want you to pay more attention to your mobile phone game, so I'll make the early levels easier, hmm. you'll get more points in them, your score more wins, your brain will get more dopamine hits. Yep. Then once you're hooked, you need something harder because otherwise you'd get bored and put it down. So it's about maintaining the flow. As your challenge level increases, mm -hmm. so, should your, so should your skill and vice versa. As your skill increases, so shall your challenge. That keeps you in flow. But, you know, managing that when we've got a world where the true point of the app is to get your eyeballs on some ads instead of doing something that's good for you yep. is another story. It's all like when we were talking earlier about solar acro versus lunar acro. Right. Like solar acro might feel good, but doing a lot of slow lunar acro might be good for you. Yeah. Self-care is not always chocolate cake and bubble baths, as one of my friends has told me before. Self-care sometimes <laughs> is uh, going for a run and not eating KFC. <laughs> <laughs> Bring home dead birds, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. my heart I feel it's all about humility mindfulness and knowing that the ego is a surface part of ourselves and underneath we've got a much stiller place that holds us mm. all the best teachers all the Yodas of the world it's when you release that you head towards Jedi mastery mm. Because as long as it's an ego-fueled motivation, it doesn't produce itself.
like it's true for myself as well sometimes I feel that if I teach people and they get better than me and what um it's it's that fear of not being able to teach as well but then then I tell myself oh this is this is your job this is what you're doing and you know if your students get better you just have to learn from them <laughs> which is <clears throat> which is how I shifted my mindset from oh sometimes I don't want to teach but to being inspired by people who are better than me and then bettering, my, bettering myself for other people so it's it's creating that positive feedback loop where I'm quite positive about what I'm giving out and what I'm taking in and bringing back to the point where you you said you know you when you're teaching you're facilitating learning you're a teacher and you're a student at the same time right if you facilitate your students you deliberately let them do it their way they might find a better way and then you learn from that and it's just about being grateful for whatever is happening or being present enough to pick up things pick things up from other people as well yeah it's it's mental unclench yeah unclench the mind unclench the fear and the scarcity scarcity of time scarcity of knowledge scarcity of power mm. scarcity of whatever it is that's leading to that clench feeling mm. it's usually a scaredness of there won't be enough yep so the larger the mental flip towards abundance and leading yourself in yes. a way that the world is abundant and the world is full and whatever happens happens and comes and it will be and I will be here doing the best of my self that I can mm. changes everything mm. and forgiving yourself when you go to scarcity right because yep. what you resist persists another one of my favorite phrases so the more you run away from it the more it's going to keep chugging after you and also people I find that people go to it's not about your product sometimes it's about the other things that comes with the product sometimes I go to a cafe not because I've, they've got good coffee sometimes they've got good service it's friendly I like the environment sometimes they're close to your house sometimes they're close to your house even though they taste like shit but you still go there for a reason you still patronize them for a specific reason not because mm. of their product and what I find with a lot of teachers is the teaching methods and styles students generally follow teachers they don't follow studios they don't follow locations so they mm. will go to where the teachers are and if you're good enough as a teacher then you would have students of your own that is that would be hardcore fans and that's where you get your living out of it but if you're afraid of people learning and you make yourself quite anxious all the time that's that's gonna flow through into your practice into the teaching as well 
Mm. And some people don't mind it, but it's going to be really hard for you to manage that feeling. Yeah, people don't remember what you did. They remember how you made them feel. Yes, yes. It's another lovely quote. Mm. And I'd say, I don't remember what I did. I remember how I made myself feel. <laughs> <laughs> right? Teaching should, like, if you're doing it, I hope it's a pleasure. I hope it fills you with energy and that yeah. it's bliss. Mm. If you don't like what you're doing, it's going to be a chore. Mm. Doesn't mean you're always going to be having a walk in the park, mind you. Yes, yes, for sure. Sometimes you got to Wim Hof it. It's, it's also that challenge, that flow state, where it's under-challenged and too easy and over-challenged and too hard. Um, so finding that if it... If teaching is easy all the time, I don't think you enjoy it as much. Of course. It's not. just boring. Yeah. But if there's a little bit of shit in there, then, well, it's gonna give you that hot stopping moment to reassess what you really need to work on. It's giving you that challenge, mm. that excitement that you've got again. Mm hmm. It's definitely a dynamic thing to be doing. Mm. And once you get good at something, some idiot turns up and makes you laugh hell. <laughs> oh shit, I'm gonna do it again. I'm, I'm learning something new. So as long as you're learning something new, you're engaged as a... As long as you're working with people, you'll yeah. never be bored. Because the interpersonal is endlessly unique and full of variations. Mm. So, you know, there will always be someone who... The partner invites their partner to come do acro at a lesson. One partner doesn't want to do it. Or, you know, two people have been taught by some super bases and they think they know everything and their wrist positions are super dangerous. Or, I'm just rattling off randoms. I'm just making these up. But, <laughs> but it's really true, though. You know, yeah. or it's like, yeah, someone comes to class and they had a really bad day and you're just gently nudging the class to figure out you know can this person make a good day out of it if they participate in your class mm. not that it's your responsibility but can you be kind and hold space so they can make a positive ending yes yes there's a lot of things these classes and movement is for and so much of it has nothing to do with what the body's doing mm. the breathing in the mind mm. breathing in the mind And that concludes our first episode of Free Flow. See you guys next week.